Hey you guys, we're back for season three. Are you excited? Because I'm excited. So what's upcoming this season? We have an interesting variety. We have indies, we have international streamers, we have some people we're talking to about new ideas and what the future may hold for gaming. So where do we begin? Well, this episode is with a dear streamer bud of mine, Canaman777. He plays fighting and horror games as well as a variety of other games. We'll get into it after this. This episode is brought to you by Arcade in a Can. Remember the smells in the 90s arcades? No? Well, you don't have to worry because now there's Arcade in a Can by Retrotech. Oh god, them again? Bring all of the mustiness of the 90s into your home, into your local casual games, school, and more. When you want to reach for the 90s, it's only a can away. You can put anything in a can these days, I swear. Um, anyway, let's get started. Okay, could you give me a, a general brief introduction about who you are? Okay, sure. I'm Cannyman777, and my name, my real name's Anthony. I'm 41, born and raised in England. Uh, I've got a mixed heritage. I've got an Italian father and a Trinidadian mother, which is quite a unique mix. I'm told I have, outside of my immediate family, I have yet to meet any other Italian Trinidadians. <laughs> I grew up loving and playing sports as, as well as video games. I played football, soccer to you guys. I played that for my entire life. At university, I played American football. I played as a running back, which I really enjoyed. Big New York Giants fan. I, outside of sports, martial arts, I've always done. Taekwondo, did karate, boxing, athletics. I love the gym. Outside of physical activities, I love anime. I love sci-fi TV shows. I grew up on a diet of Star Trek, The Twilight Zone, things like that from when I was a kid. Also movies. I enjoy just generally any all sorts of movies and martial art films as well. Going back to Bruce Lee, Jackie Chan, all of that stuff. So yeah, that's me in a nutshell, really. So how did you get into martial arts? Funnily enough, Street Fighter 2. Yeah, I was playing Street Fighter 2 and my dad brought us all up on, he shouldn't have been showing us these films because we were very young, but Bruce Lee films like Enter the Dragon, Fist of Fury, Way of the Dragon. So I was watching those films when I was like in primary school, eight, nine, ten years old. And then that along with Street Fighter came out, which is obviously a fighting game. I really liked Ryu, Ryu did karate. So I thought I fancy a bit of that. And so I sort of signed up for karate lessons and the rest is history. So was Street Fighter 2 your first Street Fighter? It was. So Street Fighter 1 was a terrible game. And that came out in the sort of late 80s. But Street Fighter 2 was put the 2D fighter genre on the map, so to speak. And so that game just blew up. And obviously I'm 41. So when that game was just blew up, I was like 10 or something like that. So I remember it in school happening. And then as soon as we got a cabinet down the local arcades, that was it. My life was forever changed. So who was your main in Street Fighter 2? So my main was Ryu in Street Fighter 2. Ironic considering how much I hate Shoto's now or that playstyle. But I guess my the very first character I picked was Zangief because just if you don't know Street Fighter, he's a grappler, massive guy, like muscles on top of muscles. But I remember him just being so slow and I just couldn't get close to anyone. And obviously as a kid, I didn't know really how to play the game. And so I just saw Ryu because I thought he looked cool. The red headband, which I also used to mimic. I used to tie my dad's red dressing gown cord around my head and pretend to be Ryu. Oh, that's cute. Allow me to reiterate, I was a child. I wasn't doing this in my third. And yeah, yeah, it was Ryu was my first main in Street Fighter. Oh, that's awesome. Have you always stuck with the same main in Street Fighter? I have not, no. I used to play as Chun-Li a little bit in Street Fighter as well, but... I just tend to pick characters that I really, I like aesthetically or I think are cool. The Street Fighter Alpha series incorporated the world of Final Fight, 
which if you don't know, that's a scrolling beat-em-up, Double Dragon and Streets of Rage. Mm-hmm. And it's got Hagger, Cody and Guy and Metro City. And Street Fighter Alpha actually officially, Capcom officially said that that's canon. Street Fighter and Street and Final Fight are in the same universe. And Street Fighter Alpha had Street Fighter characters and Final Fight characters. And in Final Fight, Guy was my favorite character in Final Fight. And he turned up in Street Fighter Alpha. I chose him because... He's a, he's a ninja. He wears red. He, he's a ninja that fights in high top sneakers, which I thought was cool as well. <laughs> and so, yeah, I chose him. Same in Street Fighter 4. And Street Fighter 5, I chose Rainbow Mika because she was a grappler. And I've never played a grappler before, but she was a hybrid grappler. So she's quick, but also a grappler as well and very mobile. So I liked that. And then Street Fighter 6, which has recently come out. And Chun Li is my main character in that because uh, Mika and Guy didn't make it, unfortunately. And I always messed around with Chun-Li through the years. So I thought, I'm going to make him my main character for a change. So when did you start doing Street Fighter tournaments? So my very first Street Fighter tournament was offline because online literally didn't exist. And that was when I was in year seven. So um, to you guys, it's, uh, I guess it was freshman year of high school. No, I was in uh, secondary school. So I was 11 years old. Okay. So it's called year seven in England. And um, so Street Fighter had just come out on the Super Nintendo and someone put in a tournament in the school and about 20 kids turned up and, you know, someone brought their Super Nintendo console in from home. And I was fighting kids who were much older than me. So the school system for secondary school in the UK is 11 through to 16. And I was just wiping out like 15, 16 year olds. And I was actually afraid I was going to get beaten up or something just because... Some little kid turned up who didn't know anyone and was and was beating all of them, which is quite funny. And yeah, I won. I ended up winning that tournament and the grand prize of 12 English pounds, which to a 11 year old in 94 was a nice bit of money, about 15 bucks to you guys. And so, yeah, that was my first ever Street Fighter tournament. And online was literally last year was my first ever Street Fighter tournament online. Oh, wow. That's crazy. So you've been doing uh, tournaments for a little while. I literally did that one tournament and never fought in another tournament again until 2022. Oh, really? <laughs> it, was a, it was like a 30-year hiatus. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, there's just, unless you live in London here in the UK, there's not much, or there wasn't, certainly wasn't much of a scene. So the, the Brighton's a close city to me, which is a seaside city, and it's got lots of arcades. And so I used to just go and play strangers there all the time. But there was yeah. nothing, there was no official tournaments or anything. In your previous answer, you talked about a fighting game, which, what was it called? I'm sorry, I never heard of it before. Was it Final Fight? Yeah, Final Fight. So how do you feel about fighters that kind of are fighting games that bring different characters together? I love it, yeah. If it's, especially if it's a sort of universe or something I really like, I love it. So do you mean like Capcom versus SNK? Yeah, or like King of Fighters or any of those kind of games. Oh yeah, It's, it's brilliant. It's the best of both worlds, right? We had Street Fighter Cross Tekken, which came out in maybe 2013. The game Mm -hmm. was a a disaster because of the the sort of pay-to-win and DLC aspect of it. But the theory of it was really cool, especially to see Street Fighter characters and Tekken characters. And I think, so that was set in the sort of Street Fighter 2D plane. And the idea was to have then Tekken versus Street Fighter set in the 3D plane. Because the first game was a, it was a failure, that never got made. And it happened when Akuma turned up in Tekken 7. So but that's sort of like an offshoot from that idea from 10 years ago. I would think the mechanics in different fighting games are different. And then you have to kind of balance things out. 
Yes, they are. But what was very clever, especially with Capcom versus SNK, is that you could choose the, it's called a groove system you could choose. So you could choose to fight your characters like they're fighting Capcom. So that would affect the sort of the gauges that you had and the access to supers. And or you could choose the sort of King of Fighters system. So uh, you could use a Street Fighter character with King of Fighters mechanics if you wanted to. And it just works really well. So when did you start playing Tekken? So I started playing Tekken when it was in the arcades. And I think it's 1995 it came out. And I remember seeing it. So Virtua Fighter was the first 3D game. And I remember just blowing my mind. But and I used to play it and I didn't really like it. I found it too hard and it had ring outs as well. So you could just take two punches and end up on the edge and get kicked over the edge. And that's your pocket money gone. Yeah, uh, yeah Tekken I, th- I thought was easier to play. I liked the characters. They were just a bit more bizarre, so to speak. So I always played Tekken in the arcades, and I played it, I got it on the PlayStation. So Tekken 1, up until 4, I was playing, but nothing like the level I was at now. I literally just pick a character like Paul Phoenix, learn a couple moves, and then just do those moves over again. It's only last year when I started playing Tekken properly and just learning all the fundamentals and everything is when I'd say I really started to properly play Tekken. So why did you decide to main Asuka in Tekken? Did you try any other characters before like picking her? Yeah, obviously I, I like Chun-Li in Street Fighter. I love her fighting style. I like it's very flashy and fluid and graceful, and I think it's really cool. So mm-hmm. when I saw Tekken, I was straight away I saw a Ling Xiaoyu, and I was like, yeah, she looks awesome. And I picked her to go in training mode with, and I didn't have a bloody clue what was going on. Like I was, <laughs> I was pressing buttons, and she was like ducking down to the floor and doing all these flips, and yeah. yeah. And I thought, Do you know what? What I'm going to do, I'm going to have a look at the move lists and I'll write some combos down and then I'll start from the bottom and go there. And I literally clicked on the move list and I saw the pages and pages and I thought, there is no way in hell I'm ever going to be good enough to play. <laughs> I thought, I'll come back to her some other time. I just, because I didn't know the game. It's not the character. I just didn't know how Tekken worked, really. Tekken 7. So another, I, was, I saw Asuka and I thought she looked cool. And going back to a game I previously mentioned, I first saw Lily and Asuka in Street Fighter Cross Tekken because they were a team. I actually liked that game offline against the O. It was lots of fun. And I just went through playing teams of characters because some characters, I knew all the Street Fighter characters, but some of the Tekken characters like Raven and things like that I'd never heard of, but I just thought they looked cool. So I just played all of them. And I remember liking how Asuka played in uh, Street Fighter Cross Tekken. So I thought I'll try her next. And she just seemed a lot more sort of beginner friendly easy to get mm-hmm. into I, was, I learned some combos and i was pulling them off relatively easily she's just sort of sort of basic character plays defensive she waits for you to come to them and capitalize on mistake kind of thing and yeah i, I just tried her and I, I just got to know her moves and stuff i went to treasure battle mode and i was doing well and i thought yeah i'm gonna put some time into learning asuka and yeah here i am today still playing her do you ever see yourself uh, doing a Tekken tournament? I'm not opposed to it at all. I'm going to get absolutely obliterated in it, but it's the experience. It's, I, I, yeah, I'd, I'd definitely be up for doing a Tekken tournament. I just know enough about the game to ever be that good at Tekken 7, especially with Tekken 8 around the corner. But I, I just see it as fun. Like Tekken, I don't take too seriously. I, I will do Tekken 8, I will, because I'll be there mm-hmm. from day one. But yeah, with Tekken 7, I know the game's kind of at the end of its life and you've got people that are Tekken Amiga God in with several characters. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I'll be winning tournaments anytime soon with Tekken. So what are you looking forward most to seeing in uh, Tekken 8? Just what they come up with, like the, the heat system, is it, in Tekken 8? looks really yeah. cool and uh, innovative. Um, I didn't 
get the beta test unfortunately i found out about them too late so i never got to play it mm. but yeah that looks uh, lots of fun also i see it's got like the funny costumes and characterizations that you can have so lots of fun just making my characters actually look quite serious but sometimes when you're fighting against people that look ridiculous it is funny it is pretty yeah, funny like, <laughs> i remember just randomly fighting a ganryu and he was just dressed in black with an inflatable beach ring and a policeman's hat with a siren on and i was just crying with laughter while trying to fight this guy online because he just looks so ridiculous <laughs> so that, that kind of stuff makes me laugh and just what, what other weird and wonderful characters that tekken will throw at us because it for, for a serious a fighter that's grounded in reality it does have some like ridiculous characters in it which i think is good actually all right so i'm going to take it back a bit more to talk more about you how did you come up with your streaming name Candyman? so canny or canny man is my nickname it's been my nickname ever since school it's just a variation of my surname and originally it was can 777 but as soon as i went on to things like twitch or or twitch to get my account set up it was taken and to this day i still don't know who canny 777 is but whoever you are you stole my name <laughs> i had to change it to canny man 777 and that was that wasn't taken the 777 actually comes from, so arcades and jackpot machines, seven is 77 is the jackpot. Yeah. And seven's my lucky number. And it just brings back when I was a kid going into those dark arcades, all the flashing lights and neon lights and all the fruit machines and reels and stuff. And this goes ding ding when you get 777. And so yeah. it's all got lots of good memories from that. So I literally just took my nickname of Candyman and then to differentiate myself, stuck 777 at the end. It's a bit, bit more entertaining than Candyman 1982. I could have just used my birth year, but that just seemed a bit boring. Yeah, I like the 7-7, seven, seven, I think. So you mentioned you were into the New York Giants. Like, how did that happen? American football, or football to you guys, it was really big in the in the late 80s in England. So we, got, we only had four channels, well, three back then, actually. And it used to like just be on randomly on a Sunday, and I just used to like watching it just because it was different. And just it's a bit crazy as well, watching these people like in helmets and shoulder pads just smash into each other. And I just like the New York Giants. And my mum actually went to see some relatives in New York around that time and came back with a New York Giants baseball cap, a New York Giants jersey, a New York Giants t-shirt. And that my mum essentially picked that team for me. And she made me a New York Giants fan. And I've, I've been a fan ever since. And oh, I've always followed really them. that's really cool. <laughs> We're not very good at the moment. We're getting better. We're getting a lot better. But we've, we had a bad six or so years we made the playoffs in the world card last season and got absolutely destroyed but things are looking good now you also mentioned growing up watching sci-fi what kind of sci-fi show besides uh, star trek did you used to watch so the twilight zone i absolutely love the twilight zone it's the twilight zone is one of the first shows that actually got me thinking not like a child but properly think questioning things if that makes any sense so there was the 1980s twilight zone okay and then there was the sort of black and white 1960s with Rod Serling, those ones as well. And mm -hmm. they used to be on just random channels, sometimes a little bit late, but I was allowed to stay up and watch them. Quantum Leap as well, was I love that show. I was a massive fan of Quantum Leap. I see they've actually remade it. They've made a follow-on 30 years later, so it's set 30 years after the original series ended. So that's definitely on my to-watch list. Yeah, and I guess technically sci-fi, but Buffy the Vampire Slayer, sci-fi slash fantasy. Mm, a yeah. huge fan of Buffy as well. But that was a bit later. That was mid to late 90s. Yeah, I got into Buffy later too. Like when, after I met my husband, he's, you haven't watched Buffy? You need to watch Buffy. So I yeah. started watching it and it's, it was really good. It surprised me in a way. I, I thought it was going to be like cheesy and stupid, mm. but it was really good. I really enjoyed it. 
It was excellent. It's one of those shows I think just changed television in its own way. Uh, all the sort of tropes and things you associate with them. It just turned a lot of things on its head. It was really, it was a really intelligent show. Yeah. I also think the 1960s Twilight Zone was absolutely nuts. It was like off the wall. <laughs> yeah, it was. And again, as I said, I don't know if you know about Rod Serling, but he was a World War II veteran and he fought in the Pacific Theatre and he wrote so many of the episodes in the original series. Because some of the things he saw on the battlefield and stuff just made him just question things and it sort of resonated with him wow. and his work. And it's, yeah, it's just really, once you know that, it's very interesting when you, when you watch some episodes back. He was, he was way ahead of his time. If you think that the Twilight Zone came out in the sort of 60s, early 60s, and yeah, he wasn't afraid to, to have ethnic minorities in leading roles and questioning why people have certain views on races or genders or immigrants or anything like that, which... It got him in uh, some trouble with the advertisers. Some advertisers didn't want their products near his show because th that's the way of the time. But it just it was just he was very much a trailblazer in turning tele making television something for everybody. But you said you also watched Star Trek too. In your opinion, what's the best Star Trek? The best Star Trek series? Yes. I love the Next Generation just because it's the one I grew up watching. I wanted to be like Geordie LaForge when I was a kid. Again, with dress up, I used to cut out a cereal box, the cardboard, and then wrap it, cut slits in the eyes and wrap it around my head and then walk around, pretend to be Geordie LaForge and fix, pretended to fix the washing machine and stuff. That's the cutest. That's he awesome. Was, he was the engineer. <laughs> I remember we did a school play and I was Geordie and my best friend at the time was Data because they're best friends in the show. We thought yeah. that was really cool as well. And yeah, Jean-Luc Picard, obviously, he has an incredible accent. Yeah, yeah he does. <laughs> He's a great captain. But yeah, Commander Riker is uh, one of my favourite characters in sci-fi. I absolutely love Riker. He's the, he was the man. I remember just thinking he was so cool when I was a kid. But I was quite a quiet and shy kid. I definitely identified more with Geordie LaForge. But Commander Riker was what I want, the man I wanted to be. <laughs> oh, I could see that. Yeah, he was like the cool guy. He was the cool guy. He was a maverick. He was brave, fearless. But he was, he was a bit reckless looking, at, looking back on it, but he was very, it was great entertainment value. So what other type of games do you play? So I play, obviously I play fighting games. I play <laughs> survival horror games, if you, as you've seen on my stream. I'm a huge Resident Evil fan. I've been playing Resident Evil since Resident Evil 1 on the PlayStation 1 back in 96, I think. I, I like racing games as well. More like futuristic races. Have you heard of Wipeout? Yes. Like, yeah, so yeah, that's, yeah. Um, that's really like you, you're sliding ar around a lot. There's yeah, not much traction. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like in a sort of hovercraft set. Yeah. You know, for 100 years in the future kind of thing. But I just love the aesthetic, the sort of cyber city. It's, I always thought that was really cool. Again, I was playing Wipeout. My first Wipeout was Wipeout 2097, which came out in 1997. And I've been playing those games ever since. I haven't made one for quite a while, though. And... What else is there? I've got into, I don't know, there's Mass Effect. It's like a first person shooter, but RPG elements as well. And yeah, I think I've seen yeah. it. It looks really interesting. It's really good. Really good. I only got it because it was free on PlayStation Network. They do free games every now and again. Every month, sorry, they have different games you can download for free. And it was HD Remaster that only came out a couple of years ago. And some of my friends that are massively into sci-fi as well was just saying, Canny, you have to play this game. I was just like, the price is right. So I literally downloaded <laughs> it for free. And you got all three games, HD Remaster. And I'm... In the third act of the second game. And I honestly, it's one of the best game series I've ever played. Yeah, it's, it's so immersive and the lore is there. And this is just a perfect balance for me personally between action and story as well. 
because a lot of my friends like there's rpgs and there's things and for instance skyrim i, I couldn't play it as too much just walking around not knowing what's going on whereas something like mass effect yeah you have your sort of linear missions you've got side quests if you choose to do them but the world is quite self-contained so you can't just spend 10 hours walking around a forest trying to find something so you just mentioned free ps plus games and do you have any notable games that you remember besides mass effect that kind of changed your life that you would never play it if it wasn't free but then you're like super glad you played it question actually let me think there's a game kuza have you heard of the yakuza series oh yeah that's a pretty yeah. big one so that was free i can't remember which one it was and i had to play around on that and i loved it, it again it was very heavily story based but the action elements of it and that the skill tree was enough to customize your character to how you want it but not too big to be overwhelming which i like there's a game i'm sure you know called dead by daylight and I, I looked at that and I just, I looked at how it worked and everything like that. I was just like, I can't wrap my head around this. I don't have the time. But something like Yakuza was the entry level, just struck the right balance with me. And it's, it's a game I just would never have played as, as JRPG. It just wouldn't have played it because I just wouldn't have appealed to me. But yeah, it's just one of these things that like a loose end. And I thought I'll give this game a go. And I, yeah, I really liked it actually. It was really good. So what's the scariest game you've ever played? The scariest game I've ever played is Resident Evil 2 Remake, which you've seen firsthand. Yeah, uh, that's pretty funny. Yeah, that game is terrifying to me. It's so clever. It, it, it just plays off, especially I think people like me are hit a bit harder with it because I played the first Resident Evil in 1998, Resident Evil 2, sorry, on the PlayStation. I played it with for hours. I completed it multiple times. And then this game just takes stuff from that game and stuff that shouldn't happen in that game or can't happen in that game, but will just happen in this game. And things will come out of nowhere that you weren't expecting. And it, it's similar enough to the original game to make you feel comfortable, but then different enough for you to still think you're safe somewhere. And then out of nowhere, bang, something hits you. And yeah, you, you sit on, on stream. Like I'm, I'm not one of those people that if I get scared, I just jolt up a little bit. I, I literally just lose it. Oh, yeah, you do. Start swearing, and yeah. it's pretty funny. Yeah, it's, it's like going to fight or flight mode. There's been times like I literally jolt to go and run out of my seat, out of the room, and think to myself, what am I doing? You know? <laughs> I think I remember there was one time when your cat like brushed against you, and you just yes. lost it, and it was hilarious. Yeah, Aurora. She's got a habit <laughs> of doing that. I could be playing a scary game or watching a scary film, and at the right moment, when I'm really tense, I know something's going to happen. And she's so quiet as well. She just literally just come out of nowhere, creak a door, brush against my leg, and I'll hit the ceiling. But yeah, she's, I, I love that cat. She's, I'd like to think she doesn't do it on purpose, but it wouldn't surprise me if she knew exactly what she was doing. Maybe. She could probably feel like your nervous energy and she's trying to comfort you, but... Possibly, possibly. So are there any scary games that you just flat out refuse to play? Yeah, the, the one that springs to mind is Silent Hill. I, it got as far as me watching one of my mates play that. Uh, so it's when Silent Hill 1 came out, I can't remember, late 90s, early 2000s. And I was just watching him play it and I was terrified. It's, it's... I said, really? Because I think the Silent, uh, not Silent Hill, Resident 2 remake is even worse than Silent Hill. For me, it's the sort of terror and horror. With Resident Evil, it doesn't matter what comes at you. You've got a shotgun or you've got a rocket launcher or a grenade. You can just blow stuff up and then run away. Silent Hill for me seems a lot more psychological. Realities altered and you, you don't really know what's going on. It's very unsettling and disturbing and the story. It just creeps me out so much more 
than Resident Evil does. I, I suspect Resident Evil was probably has more jump scares than Silent Hill, but I think just with Silent Hill, I just never feel at ease when I'm watching it, let alone playing it. I never feel safe. Yeah. And yeah, I think that's what gets uh, me. And yeah, as, as I said, it's, it's, I think Silent Hill is more in the sort of supernatural element, whereas Resident Evil's, there's a monster, shoot it, move on. Whereas with Silent Hill, I don't know, it's, you just never know what's going on. I think it is definitely scary when you don't know what's going on and what's happening and what the resolution is, mm. opposed to just shooting zombies and going where you need to go. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, ex that's exactly it. Nail on the head. So what made you get involved in streaming? So it was really due to COVID. Obviously, during lockdown, like a lot of people were stuck indoors. And although I've always been a gamer, there was... I was, for a while, I just had the PlayStation, but I never really played it that much. I just used to go on now and again and just play the odd game. But then during lockdown, I was just like, I'll just switch this thing on and start playing, start hitting some buttons. And then I got, I saw that, let me think, it was Street Fighter V Championship Edition was on sale. And it was £20 and you just got all the DLC, all the characters. So that game launched in 2016 to horrible reviews. It was pretty much an unfinished game. But by the time 2020 came, it was a really well-balanced game so i thought i'd give it a go so obviously i played it and then i went onto youtube and i was just like i need some help with this game and i just knew that people on youtube would put combo videos and help videos so i went to youtube watched that and then i saw someone was just playing with the game playing and then all these comments coming up and i was just like what is this guy doing because i didn't even know what streaming was and so i saw this and then i saw him going stream streaming and i saw, I saw twitch mentioned so i was like, what's twitch then so i've got this guy i don't even remember what his name was i put his went to twitch clicked on his name and saw all his videos and stuff i was like wow this is amazing and so i started watching his his content and then obviously again as i said we're doing lockdown so i couldn't do anything i was just I wonder if i could do that but then i was just like this guy's obviously a, a pro or close to being a pro so i'm not no one's going to want to watch me but then because i was on twitch I just explored Twitch and I just saw people that were playing games, even though they weren't any good at them and just interacting with people and just having a laugh. And I, I thought to myself, I'm not going to be allowed to go out of the house anytime soon because we were much in the middle of lockdown and not sure what was going to go on. So I thought, oh, I'd fancy this. And then, yeah, the rest is history. Oh, and how would you describe your streaming style? So my streaming style is it's a lot of self-depreciating humor. I tend to make fun of myself a lot. I, I try to be funny and try and fail most of the time. I try and keep people entertained. It's casual and laid back. I like to be uh, friendly and welcoming. With chat, I always take time to just pause the game and interact with chat and then go on face cam and just chat with people and then go back to the game. Because you get some streamers that they're really good at the game and fair play to them, but they'll just be playing the game and all this stuff will be happening in the chat and they'll just be ignoring them, just playing the game. But I just never wanted to be like that. I always thought if someone's going to take time to come onto my stream and just watch me play a game, then I'm going to take some time to chat and get to know people. And yeah, that's how I sort of got to just how I got to know you. It's got how I got to know so many people. So yeah, that's how I describe it. Just very sorry, laid back, casual, welcoming. I think you're funny. I really like your <laughs> angry cam. I don't know if you have a sad cam. I know you were thinking about it. Oh, um, yes. Yes. So the rage cam. <laughs> yeah, rage cam. But like, how do you come up with all these ideas? And even the overlays on your stream are really nice. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it all happened organically. As I said, I didn't know what streaming was. I didn't know what OBS was. I didn't know what overlays was. I had no idea. But the more and more I saw what I could do, what I could customize, the more and more I thought, I'm going to put my own mark on this. And... Uh, I just know what I like. So I, as I said, with future, 
I think it just stems from my love of sci-fi and futuristic stuff. So my overlays are like very cyber city, neon lights, pink, purples, blues. And I just put my aesthetic, something that I really like on my stream, on my Twitch to make it my own, to make it stand out. And I think you've accomplished that really well. You have a really unique stream that's always fun to come and visit. I I always love being there when I can be there. It's always a lot of fun. And your chat always seems to have a good time, too, especially with the scary <laughs> stuff. The scary stuff is very fun to clip. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've got several clips from uh, my community that are literally just laughing at my reactions. I, I think it's funny as well. Like, I'm not even going to try and style those out and just go, just, I was terrified. I admit I was terrified. Let's move on. It just, it just makes me laugh. Yeah, I think that is better than the people who play spooky games and don't even react to it. It doesn't even phase them because... We all have that kind of nervousness with spooky games. And it's, kind of, mm. it's nice to see somebody else react to it. Because I know I get scared really easily. It doesn't mm. take much for me out at all. Yeah, I, I remember you see me playing Resident Evil Tuesday, and I don't think I could play that game. <laughs> Do you have a favorite stream that you like to think back on? I'd say my favorite stream was maybe sometime last year. I was during Street Fighter Five, and I was... I mained Rainbow Mika in Street Fighter Five, but I was learning Chun-Li just to know the game from a different perspective. And then there was a streamer who is a Chun-Li streamer. He used to go on his stream just for tips and stuff, and he's called uh, Demon EX. And he's, I think it was one of the first Warlord Chun, Chun-Li players in the United States. So Warlord is like the sort of highest ranked Tekken Amiga god. It's, it's like that in, but in Street Fighter Five. <laughs> I was terrible at the game. I, I was just learning a character. And he actually raided my channel with all of his viewers, and he had like about 70 to 80 viewers and at the time i was happy if i got three or four people on my stream and yeah literally i the funny thing is i had all these alerts set up with obs when i first programmed it all i set up all the alert stream alerts etc and so something went off and i just didn't even know what it was and so it's a sound effect and a character from king of fighters and i was just like what, what the hell's going on and then i saw raid and 70 odd people demon ex is raided and then i just got all these people in my chat and it was such a nice feeling like from just going to stream in to my girlfriend who was in the same room and my mate, he was just watching for to, to two people to have in like a, one of the best Chun-Li players just raid your stream. It was, it was just really good. And then and I was clearly not a very good player, but then all the people in the chat just give me advice and I got lots of follows and lots of pointers, etc. And it just people coming together as a community to help out someone that's clearly not very good at the game. I thought it was just a really nice feeling, I thought. And yeah, I was on a, a massive high after that. That sounds amazing. That does sound like a really good stream to be able to remember. Yeah, it always stuck out. As a streamer in the UK, is there anything that you have had to overcome that other streamers from other countries might not have to deal with? I just, I'd say the time difference for me, I'm a bit of a night owl, really. I stream quite late at night. And at first I thought no one's going to watch because it's late at night. But now most of my audience is from the Canada or the United States of America, just because of the time I stream. So whereas I thought that would be like, because I'm in the UK and I stream late at night, I just wouldn't get any traction. But it actually has happened, but just with people 3,000 miles away, as opposed to people just down the road. It's pretty interesting how the time difference really plays a role in your audience. Yeah, it really does. It really does. What's something about streaming that you wish you knew when you started out? I keep saying I went to stream and I was completely ignorant. I thought it was easy. I thought you just had to plug a cable into something, press record and Bob's your uncle. But it was just the, the tech issues, the sound channels all of the pre-stream checks. So I just used to go in blind and then all these tech problems started happening and my, my CPU would be 100. I didn't know what was going on. And what I wish I knew was just like, 
say I had two hours slot to stream, I'll stream for two hours. But now if I've got a two hours slot to stream, I'll stream for an hour and a half. And before the stream, I'll just make sure I check everything. Check the sound, check the camera, check the games connecting, check the capture card, check my fight sticks working and just get all that stuff out of the way and then just go into a stream knowing that it's all going to be fine. So I wish that I didn't know that part of it when I started out just to check everything's working every single time I go on and then go. Yeah, I started doing it like the day before because then something else would come up and then something else would come up. Mm. And then I, I just started being really late to my stream. Yeah, me too. I kept so I had to keep changing my schedule because I kept saying I'm going to start streaming at nine o'clock and then it would be like quarter past ten and then I'd get on. <laughs> and then I'd just, so I started to annoy myself, let alone if people saw me that I said I'd be streaming this time and then I just didn't show up. So, yeah, I'm a lot more organized now. I'm a lot more organized. And again, just writing down issues. So if something happened and I didn't have an answer for it, now I just get a notepad and just write down the issue and then just go and look at the tutorial videos of what the issue was. Whereas before, I'd just leave it and then hope it fixed itself, which it never, ever did. Yeah, never does. Yeah, just, just switch it off and switch it back on again. Like, it, it doesn't really work. <laughs> Do you think that video games help you develop skills? What mental or physical skills do you think uh, they help players to develop? I think they do. Yeah, absolutely. I think that things like hand-eye coordination, for example, I think is, <laughs> is a big aspect of video games, especially of fighting games. I think it teaches you to think on the fly. So if you're playing like a fighting game or if you're playing a first-person shooter or something like that, you have to make a split-second decision and weigh up risk versus reward. If I do, this will lead to this. You have to think two or three steps ahead, all transferable skills to real life situations. I also think it, it helps your work ethic as well. When I first started playing Street Fighter V, I was terrible at it and I knew mm -hmm. I was terrible. So I knew I had to lab, I knew I had to learn combos, I knew I had to learn frame data, I knew I had to learn matchups, so I did. And then when I learned them, I got on and I got better. And so it just teaches you that you get out what you put in, so to speak, you reap what you sow. I think it's a good example I also think it teaches you like creativity as well. Again, with fighting games like combos, you can put your own spin on things. You can practice and see what works, what doesn't work. And then as, if something's not working and change to another sort of style or play style. And again, I just think that way of thinking will get you far in life. If something's not working, if you just keep doing the same thing again, it's not going to work. If you think I can change this, what if I try this? What am I doing wrong here? A bit of self-reflection and it works. It shows you grow. So yeah, I think I think gaming can lead to situations like that. Yeah, and I think especially with fighting games, it's a lot of learning how to adjust to things too. Because mm. you might play people who play the same character, but everybody plays characters differently. So you have to learn how that player plays that character, not just what that character can do. Exactly. Yeah, that's, that's an excellent point. So yeah, I, I hate mirror matches because... One, you're getting hit with the same stuff that you enjoy doing to people. And again, <laughs> but it, it's if you step back and then the most important thing is to watch the replays and then learn, oh, this character, th this person's got Chun-Li and they're doing this. I've never even thought of doing that. And then incorporate that into your play style. Yeah, I, th I think that's a really good point you made. Oh, thank you. <laughs> what I think about when I play Tekken, it's you have to really have to adjust a lot of times on the fly. Exactly. It's, it's like a game of chess is to boil it down, rock, paper, scissors. If, and then it's probability as well. So they've counted this three times. Should I go for it again or should I try something different? And then if you're the other person, you're like, they've gone for that three times. I reckon they're just going to do it again. Or should I do this instead? So you're always trying to figure out your opponent throughout the entire match. 
And yeah. uh, that's, uh, yeah, I think that, again, I think that's just, you never, you can never play a game like that and just switch off and just go through the motions. You always have to be on your toes if you want to do well. So what are your thoughts on video games used to be, like the video game industry back in the 80s, 90s, opposed to the current state of video games in the industry? I just think it has, has changed completely. Obviously, I'm old enough to know that video games were literally a distraction. Parents, a lot of parents didn't like uh, children playing video games. It was just, when are you going to grow up and do something else? When you go outside, blah, blah, blah. And then to see video games turn into literally Evo with the prize, the Capcom Cup with a million dollar prize fund. There was a fighting tournament in Saudi Arabia recently with millions in the prize fund. It's just crazy how much has changed and how much has taken off. In terms of the actual games, I think things like DLC are both positive and negative. I think it's positive in that the idea was that you could actually, the developer could make a game and then just keep adding to it, which is really good. But then I think it's led to them just Capcom were notorious for, so with Street Fighter Cross Tekken, uh, someone actually hacked into the game files and found all the DLC quotation marks that was slated for later in the year was actually already on the disc. It was already there. All you were paying for was just to unlock characters that you bought in the first place. And things like loot crates and pay-to-win elements, I think, are bad. Companies can just release a game that's clearly unfinished, Cyberpunk 2017, uh, for example, and just rely on patches to update it. Whereas back in the day, before the game went to press, the game had to be tested, the game had to be playable, and the game had to be complete. Otherwise, you just lose millions. And Mm -hmm. yeah, I just feel like companies can just go oh do you know what it'll just be okay we'll just release this game we'll just patch it in the next few days which i think is is not the best look it's not i agree with that i had a thought and then it just <laughs> lost it <laughs> i think it's something about do you think like investors have a lot to do with that do you think investing in video games in the past used to be different since it's like a billion dollar industry now yeah. has changed things at all absolutely absolutely there, there's like street fighter 5 was rushed out and that's why the game was released unfinished. And that's why I got so much criticism because they just had to meet a deadline. It was part of their forecast for the year. They knew that if they released that game, people would just buy it because it was a Street Fighter game. And then that would just boost their bank balance and then the balance sheet and they could move forward. But I like the fact that a lot of people just didn't stand for it. And uh, that game was in a lot of trouble. And Capcom actually came out and publicly apologized for it. And I, yeah, I, I, I think the investors do have a lot of power. But again, they're the ones pouring millions into these games. And if it wasn't for them, then you wouldn't have a game. So it's, it's, a, it's a balancing act, I find. Yeah, that's terrible about the game you were, ta- we were just talking about, how the DLC was already on the disc. Like, mm. that's part of the game. Like, they need to give you what you paid for because that's exactly. terrible. Yeah, exactly. Um, but do you think, like, when people or, like, companies like pushback deadlines don't they get like the the brunt end of it too because people want their games it's damned if you do damned if you mm. don't yeah I, you're right I, I think fundamentally people more often than not would be willing to wait a few extra months to get like the game as it was promised so to speak mm-hmm. i'm certainly in that camp as well i don't actually mind when games are delayed because to me it's the company saying this product isn't good enough we need to make it so straight out of the box it will be as as we imagine the game so yeah, I don't mind the game being delayed at all. Street Fighter 6, I believe, was delayed. It was meant to come out in, earlier on in the year and it was delayed to June. I was like, that sucks, but you know, the game came out and the game's fantastic. So Yeah, maybe that's just when you get older, you uh, realize that hmm. quality is better than like the quantity, how much and how fast they can push games out. 
Because I feel like I've been on both sides of that. There's a game I'm really anticipating, let's say like Final Fantasy VII Remake. That took mm -hmm. years to come out. Mm. But you get a, a little upset because you're like, you're so excited to play it. But I can get that, like the pushback. They want to push, hold the game back for a little bit just so they can improve it and stuff. And that's great. But like when you're anticipating something, you just can't wait to play it. <laughs> it's hard. Yeah, it is hard. I just, I just think from a company's perspective that if they release a game that they just know won't work, all the negative press, the tweets, Facebook, it's social media holds so much credence now in today's habits. I just think from a company perspective, it's in their best interest. Yeah, they'll get a lot of blowback if they keep delaying a game, but it will all be worth it once the game releases and that it just comes out to rave reviews, as opposed to a company having to redeem themselves over a period of time. I agree with that 100%. I think social media definitely has changed and it's a lot harder to recover from a bad game than like having to push your game back and then it, it ending up being a great game. So that's a really good point. All right, so I think we're just about done with our questions. Are you ready? For your surprise question? I am, yep. All right, so the year is 2364. What does the future look like in your mind? Oh, what a question. 2364 as well, that's so particular. <laughs> a little bit. I had a timeline in mind when I thought about it. It's, it's from a, uh, okay. a TV show. All right, okay. So what does the world look like? Yeah, in your mind, what do you think is going to be going on? I think part of me worries that society just won't leave the house so just be entirely self-contained we're, we're already in a, a sort of world where you can get your shopping delivered to you you can get everything delivered to you you've got all the entertainment at your fingertips you can speak to your relatives your friends all from the comfort of your own home that's the sort of more dystopian future i like to think that would hopefully thrive come together we use technology to, to benefit humanity i think as i said i love sci-fi and astronomy i think We'll, we'll be out there, we'll probably have a colony on the moon. I think we'll, have, we'll certainly travel to Mars. I think there's a, a plan of a manned mission to Mars in the next 20 years. Yeah, I, I think we'd have explored a fair chunk of our solar system. So I think that'd be really cool. Games, I, honestly, I think with games now, like you could just, I could play Street Fighter and I could just be teleported to China and just be fighting people with no <laughs> harm coming to me in real life. But I'll just be feeling every blow and things like that and <laughs> reacting. But it's just, again, with the, with the virtual reality, VR headset, we, we have those now. The technology is, in the, in the past two decades or so, has just moved at a crazy speed. And the date you mentioned is over 300 years in the future. Yeah. And it's just, I can't even process that. We, we certainly have flying cars and things like that. According back to the future, too, we should have had flying cars in 2015, but that didn't quite work out. But... Yeah, hoverboards, too, right? Yeah, hoverboards. <laughs> yeah, apparently, they, they wouldn't, they'd only work if there was a magnetic strip underneath it or something, the science behind that, saying that you, you wouldn't be able to use one of those on, on concrete or something like that. Yeah, oh, that's weird. But yeah, I just, I started playing PSVR and I, PR2, and I was freaked out because, like, the technology from the first one is just, it's so much more elevated like it's just it just took a crazy leap and i'm just like i'm i think i'm at that age where technology is starting to surprise me it's scary i remember i used to laugh at my parents not being able to program the vcr and it's just that's gonna be me in 20 years i'm yeah, gonna right? i'm not gonna be able to turn on the tv like right, even, yeah yeah even now i just remember my dad just trying to switch the tv on and just like you just do that it's easy and now i'll just go to someone's house and their tv will just have no buttons on it and i'll just be like I was, how do I even switch this on? And there's some touch sensor somewhere. You have to, or touch activated. It just, it's just crazy. 
Also, voice activated stuff. I never even thought about Mm. that when I was a kid. Now it's you can talk to Alexa and do your shopping list and actually buy things and have it sent to you. Like, it's crazy. Yeah, it is. It is. And I just think I think COVID has moved on technology faster. Like I've been to bars and restaurants where it's cashless, literally, like there is no cash on the premises. Oh, wow. My girlfriend's been to a so there's a, a small in central London, there's a small Tesco's, which is like a supermarket. Mm-hmm. And it's one where you have an app on your phone and you go into the store, put all your stuff in the basket and the bag and then just walk out. And then what you've picked up has somehow just been scanned on your way out and uploaded to the app on your phone. And then you just pay it off with your credit card at a later date. That's crazy. crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. crazy. There's no staff or or anything in there. (laughs) That's really weird. I wouldn't like it. Yeah, there's some Amazon stores around Seattle where you can do that in their cart, like scans and everything. So you just bring it up to the cash register and they just have your subtotal and you just pay them. Thank you so much for uh, spending this time with me and answering my questions. It was really good getting to know you a little bit more. Could you list your socials for us? Sure. I'm most active on Twitch and Twitter. I do have instagram and facebook which i don't really use but if you literally just go and search cannyman 777 on google and then and then search that you'll find everything it's all under cannyman 777 excellent thank you so much thank you so much thank you very much Uh, much appreciated i hope you enjoyed this episode thanks for coming back and hanging out with us make sure you show cannyman some love check out the socials in the description to give your support my theme music is by dj kern check her out on soundcloud my interview music is by Zigo Bang. Make sure you check him out on SoundCloud as well. Thank you so much for listening, and until next time, keep gaming. I did forget one question that I wanted to ask you before we get going. No problem. Where did your love of purple and tur- turquoise come from? That's an important yeah. one. It is an important one, yeah. I absolutely love those colors. I think they complement each other so well. They really um, do. Yeah, but purple, I'm not too sure. I just, purple relaxes me. I just found that if I was in a bad mood or anything like that, if I just looked at something that was purple, the color purple, it would just sort of relax me and calm me down and make you feel chilled out. I just, I think the color looks good on me. I think it complements my skin tone. There's the color of royalty. So in, in Rome, only royalty were allowed to wear purple. So it has that element as well. And uh, yeah, it's different as well. So if you ask someone what their favorite color is, they'll say red or blue or green or whatnot. But there's few and far between that people actually say purple. So I thought it makes me stand out as well. Yeah, uh, I think purple has, it does complement a lot of colors as well, I think. Yeah, and uh, going back to the aesthetic, it's in cyber cities and futuristic things. And it's, it's purple's always there in the arcades. I used to go in as a kid, there's always pink and purple neon lights like anime and purple is always in sort of cyber city animes as well yeah it's just there's lots of reason to like purple <laughs>